The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Well, good morning, friends. How are we doing this morning? Just happy Father's Day. Well, if you're new here this morning, my name is Eric Stelzer. I'm the resident church planter. If you don't know what that is, then come up and talk to me afterwards and we'll talk about that. But this is the portion in our service where we open God's word and we eagerly and expectantly wait to hear from him. See, we believe that when, when God's word is opened, that there is an opportunity for each and every one of us to experience and encounter God in a new and fresh way. And so this is why we like surround our service with God's word. This is why we fill our neighborhood groups and we talk about the Bible so much is because we believe that when we open God's word, there is an experience that is there that can happen where we interact and engage with the living God in such a way where we leave changed or we grow in our faith. So I'm kind of fired up about this message this morning, so I'm hoping and I'm praying that God would show up and each and every one of us would experience God in a new and fresh way that we leave here changed. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. The sound guys already think I'm a little too loud, so I'll just have to speak louder. Um, Matthew chapter 14, it's on page 820 in the black hardcovered Bibles around you. Matthew 14. And we're going to look at three verses, just three verses, verse 34, 35, and 36. So Joel preached last week and shared, we saw Jesus walking on water, right, on the Sea of Galilee. And this is the following passage. They have finally landed. They were in this storm on Galilee. And we pick up the story here in verse 34. It says, and when they had crossed over, that's Jesus and his disciples, they came to land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, that is, they recognized Jesus, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. And as many touched it were made well. For those of you who've heard me preach before, you know that I like to give talks to my titles, and I like for you to share the title of my talk. So as I was thinking about what my title could be, there was one, I was like, maybe we can call it Come Out from Gennesaret, and we'd get everyone to say that, Come Out from Gennesaret. But as I was studying, I was like, here's my title. Are you ready for this? Share this with your neighbor. Share this with your neighbor. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Would you share that with, with a neighbor? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. How many of you know somebody, and if they're next to you, don't point them out, but someone who who's not as trustworthy or reliable, they might say they're going to do something, but they tend never to follow through on that. Like someone, a spouse, don't point them out, but, night, but, but they always say they're going to take the trash out when trash day comes, but they don't tend to do that. And you're like, oh, I don't really know if I can trust them, or they're, they're always late, or they don't show up on time. It's kind of frustrating. And if you are like, I don't know anyone like that, then maybe you are that person, but... <laughs> 
But I think sometimes we do that with God. Sometimes maybe you heard a scripture from a friend or you've read something in the Bible and you're like, I don't really know if he's going to follow through. I don't really know if what he says is actually going to happen. And as I was studying this, this passage and I was like, God, what's the big idea here? He said, Eric, when I say something, it's going to happen. And you might be reading these and you're like, well, he, he's not saying anything here and Jesus is just healing some people. But I want to show you where I get this from. If you would turn your Bibles to Numbers chapter 15. It's all the way back at the beginning, page 124 in the black hardcover Bibles. Numbers 15. So a little context, a little context. God has his people, and they are the children of Israel, and they're in captivity in Egypt for a long, 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 long time, hundreds of hundreds of years. So Moses is sent by God to free the people of Israel from Egypt and to bring them into the promised land. Just a side note, that's a picture of the gospel. That's the picture of Jesus. So Moses is Jesus, and he brings his people out of sin and slavery to the promised land. So Moses is going, and he brings the people out from captivity, from bondage. And in the desert, God gives them his instructions, his Torah, his, his law. And these instructions are to help the people of Israel know how to live in relation with God and relation with others. So there's 613 of these instructions that he gave. And the people of Israel are like, man, God is so good that he loves us, that he would give us his instructions to live a full and abundant life. And this is one of his instructions that he gives. Verse 37 of Numbers 15 and following. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. And it shall be a tassel for you to look at and to remember the commandments of the Lord to do them. So I have this tassel or this garment. Thank you to Miss Deb Reed. So this is what it looked like, kind of, not, not exactly. But God is a God of tangible, visible things to help give illustrations and stuff. So he gives the people of Israel, he says, all throughout your generations, I want you to wear this thing. Nowadays it's called a tallit or a prayer shawl. But the Jewish men and Jewish women will wear this, and it was to remind them of God's faithfulness and his word. To remind them of God's faithfulness and his word. Look at Numbers 15 again. It says, to remember all the commandments of the Lord and to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes. How easy is, is it to follow after our own heart and our own eyes, right? So God gives them this thing so that when they're walking and when they're in these captivity places or when, like, the world's pressing in or when their heart's pulling them aside, they have this here, and these tassels on the corner of their garment was to remind them of God's instructions, of his law, of his faithfulness, and of his word. So it's a tangible thing to say, hey, remember, I, I, I freed you from captivity. I know your heart's pulling you that way. Remember, I've given you my instructions. So he gives this to them to, rem to remind them. The interesting thing is in this passage, he says, put these tassels, say this word, zit zit, zit zit. Zit zit. So the tassels were zit zit, but he says to put them on the corners, the corners of your garment. And the word for corners in Hebrew is kanaf. Would you say that word with me? Kanaf. I've put it up here. 
on the slide, kanaf. So he says on the corners, there, I want you to put these tassels or these zitzit. So it's called kanaf. Let's say it one more time, kanaf. With some conviction, kanaf. Kanaf. So he says, on your corners, put these things to remind you. But the interesting thing is, is how languages work. I mean, like our languages, sometimes we have words that have double meanings or mean different things. So another thing that kanaf meant was wings. Was wings. Can you kind of see how they got the idea? The corners, kanaf, meant wings. Psalm 36, 7 says this. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. Under the shadow of thy kanaf. So in the Jewish perspective, a kanaf meant like a place of protection, of, of security under the wings of God. But it was also a reminder of his instructions and his faithfulness. I want to show you one more passage. Before you put this up, before you put up Malachi. Malachi chapter 4. Malachi was the last prophet in the Old Testament. It's right before the book of Matthew if you want to turn it in your Bible. But Matthew, or Malachi chapter 4. So there's all these prophecies in the Old Testament. And they're prophesying that a Messiah would come, a Redeemer would come. And Malachi was the last one to speak before John the Baptist and Jesus came, 500 years before Jesus shows up on the scene. In Malachi chapter 3, he's speaking about this, this man who would come and be the forerunner of Jesus the Messiah, and that is John the Baptist, whom we've learned about in, in our studies of Matthew, right? But in Malachi chapter 4, he's speaking of the coming day when Messiah will come. And notice what he says here. Malachi 4 verse 2. But for you who fear my name... The son of righteousness, that son of righteousness referring to the Messiah, shall rise with healing in its wings, healing in his kanaf. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is on the scene. The crowds press around Jesus. A man who's a ruler comes up to Jesus and he bows before him and he says, Jesus, my daughter is sick. She's, been, she's, she's dying. She's 12 years old. Would you just come to my house and heal her? Because I know if you come, she'll be healed. Jesus gets up, Matthew says. And as she gets, he gets up, he starts walking to this ruler's house. And the crowds are pressing in in Matthew chapter 9. The crowds are pressing in. And Matthew says that there's a woman. There's a woman who's back in the crowd and this woman woman suffers with a blood issue. She's got menstrual issues, and she's been suffering with it for 12 years. And in Jewish customs, she was unclean. She should not be out in public. She should not be touching anyone. And the crowds are pressing in, and she's sitting there, and she spent all of her money, Luke and Mark say, she spent all of her money on physicians, and all she wants to do is be healed, and she can't be healed. But she's like walking through the crowd. She's walking through the crowds. And Matthew records this. He says, the woman's saying to herself, if only I touch the edge of his garment, if only I touch his kanaf, will I be healed? Jesus is walking with the ruler, and she presses in and presses in, no shame, no guilt, and she touches the edge of his kanaf, his zitzi. And in that moment, Jesus stops, and power leaves his body, and she is instantly healed. See, in that moment, this woman believed what God said was going to happen. 500 years previously, he said the son of righteousness would come with healing in his wings, in his kanaf. 
And she pressed through the crowds to touch him, and he stops, and he's like, someone touched me. And the disciples are like, what are you talking about? Someone touched you. Like, the crowds are pressing in. He's like, no, this is something different. See, in that moment, the woman believed exactly what God had said, and she was healed. So come to our passage today in Matthew chapter 14. Jesus gets off the boat at Gennesaret, and the people recognize, and they're like, this is Jesus. He's never been there before. And they're like, this is the Messiah. This is the one. we got to go back into our towns and get all these people out here. So what does our passage say in Matthew chapter 14? That they go back into their town, and they grab all these people, and they implore him that they might only touch the fringe, the kanaf, the outer garment of his clothing. And Matthew 14 says, and as many touched it were made well. See, when I was studying, I was like, what's the big idea here? And God said, Eric, when I say something, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. When I speak, it's going to happen. Numbers chapter 13, let's put that up. Numbers chapter, or 23, 19, it says, And God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do, or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Like, God is not like us. When he says something, it's going to happen. And my question for you today is, do you believe that? Look here, look here. Do you believe that? Do you believe when God speaks, it's going to happen? Do you, do you trust him? Do you trust him? Maybe you'd say, we'll just leave that slide up. This is the question for us today. Do you trust he will do what he says? Maybe you would say, Eric, my life is characterized by anxiety. I haven't experienced peace in the longest of times. I don't, I don't know what your situation is, but there's this sickness of anxiety that's working in you. And it could be health, it could be a relationship, it could be something in the future, it could be something you're struggling with right now, and you're just like, I haven't experienced peace in the longest time. Friends, God has said something about that. And when he says something, it's going to happen. In Philippians chapter 4, he says, don't be anxious about anything. Cast all your anxieties upon me because I care for you. Don't be anxious about anything, but in, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, make your requests known to me. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I believe that there's someone in this room right now who's been struggling with this and wants some peace. And God said that if you come to me in faith, I will give you peace that surpasses all all understanding that will guard your heart and your mind. But all you got to do is you got to come out from Gennesaret. You got to come out from Gennesaret. See, there were other towns and other cities when Jesus showed up on the shores and when he showed up there, they didn't have faith. He's not going to do that. I know he might have said this. I know the prophecies might have said that, but they didn't have faith. There was even one where he was like, there was no faith in this town, so Jesus couldn't heal anyone. The woman with the blood issue for 12 years, she tried everything. She could have been sitting in her home just like, oh, well, they say this and they say that. 
And maybe that's you. Like, I don't even know what to do. Like, I don't know if God really wants to take this anxiety from me. I don't really know if it's going to work. But what did she do? She had to take an action of faith. And this is what I'm calling you to do today. Take an action of faith. She had to leave, push through the crowds with all of her shame, with all of her guilt, no matter what it was, because everyone's looking like, what is this woman doing? She's unclean pressing through the crowds. And I wonder if there's someone in this room who'd say, I want that peace. I want that joy. So I'm just saying, come out from Gennesaret and walk to your Savior, to your Messiah, the one who has brought healing. Would you come out from Gennesaret? Would you come out from Gennesaret? One of the things that I um, wrestle with is just doubt. I mean, I have a baby coming. I'm really excited about that. But sometimes I'm just like, I just want to know my future tomorrow. You know, I want to know what's going to happen. Are you there with me? You want to know that, right? And maybe you're here and you say, I wrestle with doubt. Like, I'm anxious or I'm doubtful. And you're like, you got to make a big decision about work or your career or a relationship. Or maybe you don't know what you're supposed to do with one of your children who are acting up. You're like, my, this person's saying this, this person's saying that, and I don't even know which path to go down. I don't even know which next step to take. And you're just staying there, and all of a sudden it's becoming a sickness, and you can't even move because you're paralyzed because you're like, what do I do with this doubt? I don't even know where to step. If I'm supposed to step left or I'm supposed to step right. And maybe you're there right now, but God has said something about that. And when God says something, what? It's going to happen. In James chapter 1, he says, if any of you, if any of you lack wisdom, if you have doubt, ask me, and I'll give to you generously, and I won't hold back. James 1 says that. So, so God has spoken, and it's going to happen. And I wonder if there's someone in here with some doubt. That they're like, I don't, I don't know, and I'm just going to wrestle with this the rest of my life. And God is sitting there. Messiah has come. Messiah has come with healing in his wings, and he wants to heal you from your doubt. He wants to heal you from your anxiety. And he says, all you have to do is ask. All you have to do, just like that woman, just like that whole town, is step out. Come out from Gennesaret. Come out from all this doubt and just put your trust in him. This is the faith that we take. It's like, I'm going to go to the Messiah. I'm going to go to him. Everything else seems blurry, and I don't even know which direction going, but I know Jesus promised that if I come to him right now, that he will, he will give me wisdom, because it says if any of you lack wisdom, he'll give to you freely and hold back. But you could be like some of the other towns, and you could be sitting back, and you could be like, well, the last time God gave me wisdom, or I asked, I made a whole bunch of poor decisions. Or I haven't really been talking to God in a long time. Like, why would he even give me any wisdom? Like, I've been making poor decisions the past year. <laughs> like, I'm going to go to him, and he's going to give me wisdom. He's going to be like, hey, bud, when you get things together, Eric, then I'll give you some wisdom on what you're supposed to do. But the interesting thing in James chapter 1, he says that he does not hold back, or he doesn't reproach. And the idea there is he doesn't count any records of wrong. He doesn't, he doesn't take into account anything that you've done before then. All he says is come out in faith with your disease, with your sickness of doubt, whatever it might be. He just says, come on out. Come on out and bring it to me. I don't care about all these 12 years of your baggage and your dirtiness and your uncleanness. Just come on out and bring it to me, and I'll give you wisdom. See, when God speaks, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Friends, It could be anxiety, it could be doubt, 
It could be an addiction. It could be lust. It could be anger. It could be bitterness. It could be unforgiveness, resentment. I don't know what it is, but all these things paralyze us. All these things keep us back from being who we ought to be. All these things are sicknesses. All these things are diseases. And God has spoken. He says, come out from Gennesaret. I wonder if someone in here would come out from Gennesaret. Come out and receive. Take that that step of faith and come out and receive that healing that you need in that relationship, in your heart and in your mind. Come out from Gennesaret. And maybe, maybe you'd say, Eric, I have experienced God's grace. I have experienced his healing. And, and maybe you said, like, I, I know that. And I don't, I don't know if I need to just step out right now. But look, there, there's sick people in this passage. But notice, and when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around all that region and brought to him. I wonder... I wonder if instead of you coming out from Gennesaret, you need to go back into Gennesaret and get some sick people. I wonder if you've experienced the grace of God, the healing of God in your life. They went back into their towns, and they're like, come out, the Messiah's here. The Messiah's here. And I wonder if there's a coworker at work right now, and you know that he's struggling with alcoholism, and he's doing everything that he can. He might be going to AA or whatever, and he just can't get peace. But you're like, I know the Messiah has showed up on the shores of Gennesaret, and I know that there's healing there. I know that there's satisfaction there. And I wonder if you'd go back into Gennesaret, into your homes, into your families, into your workplaces, into your community and say, Messiah has come and there's healing in his wings. Would you come out from Gennesaret? I wonder if that's your step of faith this week. Am I preaching to someone? I wonder. I wonder if you need to come out from Gennesaret or go back in. And maybe you'd say, Eric, I'm new to Christianity. I'm new to the Bible. I don't really know what God said much. I don't really know how to claim the promises of God. I don't know what this means. Romans says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of God, by the words of Christ. So you might be like, I don't really have much faith. I don't know if I can step out like that woman. I don't know if I can step out like those, those people in Gennesaret. And I want to encourage you to fill your mind with this. Fill your heart with this. Fill your, fill your soul with the promises and the words of God. Because when the storms of life come and want to kick you in the soul, like you'll have his word in your heart that you can say, no, this is what God said here. In that moment of doubt, you're like, nope. That's why I have those verses memorized. Because I go through doubt. And I'm like, but God, you told me that if I come to you in faith, that you'll give me wisdom. And I'll tell you, countless times he's done that. Countless times he's done that. If I've been anxious about something, he says, come to me with all your requests. Lay them down at my feet. Cast your cares on me, Eric, and I'll give you peace that you can't even comprehend. And he's done that. So fill your heart and your mind with these words. Because that's what brings faith. That's what builds faith. So let me close with this. Something that God showed me this week. This is so good. This is so good. I'm so excited for this. This is so good. So I was studying, I was studying, and I was like, I saw that the word Gennesaret had a nickname, and this nickname was the Paradise of Galilee, the Paradise of Galilee, and it was known for all of its fruit trees and its gardens, and it was just like a place that everyone loved. It was the best place in Galilee, and as I was studying, I was like, 
man, a paradise with a whole bunch of sick people. Like paradise full of sickness. I was like, God, what does that mean? What does, like, I couldn't, I couldn't, like, figure out what was going on there. I was like, that, like, sometimes our lives, we, like, seemingly put up these paradises, but inside, oh, I'm speaking to someone right now, but inside, but inside, there's a lot of sickness. Everyone else sees this paradise, but there's some sickness in Gennesaret in this, in this garden. So as I was studying, I saw, okay, the paradise of Galilee. Then last night, I looked it up, and I saw, like, and I don't know why it was last night. I don't know why I didn't look this up earlier. But I saw that Gennesaret actually means the garden of the prince. The garden of the prince. Princely garden. The garden of the prince. I saw this last night, and I was like, oh, my goodness. This is good. i got to share it with my friends. I saw this. So look, a king in the beginning created this paradise, the Garden of Eden. It was his paradise. And he put man in it to live in relation with him and with others in perfect harmony and perfect peace and perfect shalom. And man disobeyed God. And when man disobeyed God, sin, this sickness, the greatest sickness of all humanity spread into his paradise. There's sickness in God's paradise. There's sickness in God's paradise. And, and the crazy thing is, the moment that happened, God said something. And you know when God says something, he's going to do it. It's going to happen. He said, I vow that I'm going to restore my paradise. I vow that I'm going to eradicate sin and I'm going to heal the sickness in my garden, in my Gennesaret. I'm going to heal this. And he vowed that. And all throughout the Old Testament, he made promises. He said, I am going to bring order back to my paradise. I'm going to bring healing to my garden, to my paradise. And so 2,000 years ago, God himself sent his son, the prince, down to our world, right? Right? He sent him down. And Jesus lived the life that you and I couldn't live, that Adam and Eve couldn't live in the garden. And 2,000 years ago, he hung on a cross. He hung on a cross for the wages of sin is death. The only way to eradicate the sickness was through death of a perfect one. And he hung on that cross for your sins and for my sins. He became sin for you that you might become the righteousness of God to reconcile, to redeem, to restore his creation. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. He's, he's bringing it back to the garden. He's restoring his paradise, and he did that through Jesus. And Jesus, as he was hanging there, one of the last things he said was not it's going to happen, but it is finished. Friends, on that cross 2,000 years ago, Jesus eradicated sin and death, and he brought healing back to his paradise. And this is what we live in now. As he's restoring his paradise, he's restoring his garden. And I wonder if there's anyone in here who hasn't been healed from that sickness. See, this is the greatest sickness that faces all mankind, is our sin. It separates us from the king. And I wonder if there's anyone in this room who's going to come out from Gennesaret, 
who's going to step out into faith and receive the Messiah because the Messiah is here. There's healing for your sin here at Gennesaret. Don't stay back here in your homes doubting. And maybe people said this, I wonder if you'd come out from Gennesaret and receive his healing this morning. The prince has entered his garden and he's bringing restoration and renewal back to paradise. Would you guys pray with me?